Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod, a pre-NBA playoff edition with Bobby Marks, our front office insider at ESPN. Bobby, how are you on this Saturday morning, man? I'm good. A couple days in Portsmouth, getting uh, ready for the draft and uh, back home and up to Bristol in a, a day or two, but we're ready for the playoffs. Yeah, this is it. So start of a few months grind here to the finals in the end of June. A lot of real intriguing first round series. What are the one or two, Bobby, for you? Uh, you know, usually the four or five are great and they certainly are this year, especially for me, that Utah, Oklahoma City series. Uh, I mean, to me, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Oklahoma City. To me, Utah as a team did not expect, they thought they'd be fighting to be in the playoffs and They've been the hottest team in the league since really the first of the year. There is just a great deal of pressure on the Thunder to win this series in advance, I, I think, to feel confident they can try to keep this group together. You're right, and I know Paul George said the right things, that the it wouldn't be playoffs or bust, or if they lose in the first round, it wouldn't have a determination on his future. Uh, but if they do lose to a Utah team, you've got you know two and a half months to figure out what you want to do from free agency and also figure out how much better can this Thunder team get in the offseason because the likelihood of George returns you lose uh, you lose Jeremy Grant to free agency because of his uh, where his salary is going to come in because of the luxury tax but that is an intriguing matchup because although Oklahoma City probably has the best two players on the court uh, I think Utah might have the best overall team when you look at it from you know one to eight, one to nine, and and Quinn Snyder's done as good as a job as far as mixing and matching his lineup. Uh, it is interesting now. You've got a rookie in Donovan. Well, he's not really a rookie now at this time of year in Donovan Mitchell. Who oh, you're I th- asking? I thought, I thought he was the only real rookie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a debate yeah. for another show. <laughs> uh, well, and you have a rookie in Donovan Mitchell who you're asking to be your closer. In, uh, in playoff games, which is certainly a tall task, but there is a, there's a lot of intrigue in that series. I think you can look at the Philadelphia Miami series, uh, that 3-6 matchup, um, based on a hot Philadelphia team going into the playoffs. Uh, how does Ben Simmons and Dario Saric, uh, you know, play under the, the big lights? Uh, against a Miami team that is uh, built with veterans, uh, a coach who has been in a lot of big games. Um, and probably a lot of people are picking Miami to, to win. Um, and, but that, that's an, that's certainly an intriguing matchup there. Miami's kind of like the, doesn't really matter where they're seated and you kind of know what you get with the coach and the mentality. To me, they're sort of like the Michigan state of when you're putting your bracket together, people always want to say, I, I like Izzo in the tournament. I like, you know, the style of play, how they're going to, um, certainly it's different in a series versus a one game. But that, that's what I always think of um, when when because I, I hate picking against. Spoh's going to just take his team to battle against you, and they're going to test Philly physically. They're going to Spoh's going to test Brett Brown, who hasn't been in the playoffs yet as a head coach. It's uh, tactically that'll be a real interesting series. It will, and it will be interesting um, if you know Embiid is out for a couple games here. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, playoff basketball is a little bit different because it does tend to s- slow down a little bit. Um, but if Philadelphia can play like they did at the end and get up and down and really get off to a good start in the first couple games here, um, they'll, you know, that's certainly going to be a big advantage. I think 
where where Philadelphia where it's under the radar and we've talked about their young players is what the job that you know Brian Colangelo and that group has done with adding Marco Bellinelli or Sonny Silva um, in in early uh, I guess early March end of February just two veterans to stabilize the bench because if they didn't have those two 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 players. Philadelphia is probably not at a three seed right now. They're probably at a, a four or five, and maybe even have to start the, uh, the, the playoffs on the road. Bellinelli has been excellent for them, and there's so many of these years, these buyouts, guys who get buyouts and sign, they just don't make an impact. We, we spend a lot of time reporting on them and focusing, and then sometimes they never play much. And But he had a chance to go. Bellinelli had a chance to go anywhere. Um, everybody wants shooting among the playoff teams, uh, and he could have – you know, virtually the whole league was interested among playoff teams. And, and I know this. I know when Bellinelli got on the phone with Brett Brown, I know they really connected. And I, I thought he and his agent uh, did a really good job in figuring out that was the right place for them. And I would think his th- – think of where his free agent value was. Leaving Atlanta, a team that um, – Bellinelli's reminding people again of his value on a good team and the way he can impact it. And I, I think he's made himself some money – by getting out of Atlanta and then and then maybe even certainly we haven't even seen yet what he might do in the postseason. He's like a good college player who gets going at the end of uh, end of the season conference tournament and then really heats up in a in a tournament and it elevates his stock. If he had probably stayed in Atlanta and fi- and, and finished out that season, we, we're not talking about him. Uh, we're probably talking about maybe a two to three million dollar player uh, that might double based on what happens in uh, in free agency and. And that's the beauty of the March one, uh, the waiver buyout is that these players have the, they can go to any team, either a playoff team or a team they want to get some playing experience, uh, with a non, a lottery team. And these guys pick Philly. I mean, did you think we'd be talking about that three years ago? Yeah. That players who are bought out are going to go to Philadelphia because they want to help a team, um, you know, get, get to the playoffs. And you're right. And it doesn't work out all the time. We, we saw Houston with, um, and we, we don't know where Joe Johnson's role is going to be, but you know, they went out and recruited Brandon Knight and eventually waived him because he was injured. So it is a little bit of a hit or miss here. Yeah. And I think you mentioned Houston and, uh, I was surprised at D'Antoni's line the other day about Chris Paul and James Harden and will this all be validated if we don't win a championship that, hey, you can't take, you know, essentially this is still a very successful season no matter what happens. And I know he doesn't believe that. I, I know Daryl Morey doesn't believe that. They didn't put this team together to have a great regular season. And sometimes I think with Mike, he's just talking. Mike will talk. And sometimes, too, maybe it's trying to take the pressure off of your guys, knowing there's a lot of pressure on them. And sometimes the coach's job is to take that pressure off, not try to add to it. But uh, I do think some people in Houston cringed when they saw that. <laughs> I think Daryl probably drove off the side of the road. <laughs> he probably said, wait a minute, I made that Chris Paul trade and uh, PJ and signed PJ Tucker and Luke Baumute and yeah. reshaped the roster because... Yeah. Because I want to the- lose to UMBC. <laughs> because I want to lose to UMBC. You know? It went yeah. 64 games yeah. and get in the second round and say, you know what, it was a good year. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I even think if they get to a West End, I think they will get to Western Conference Finals and lose... Um, to Golden State, I think there will still be a lot of disappointment with that uh, with that Rocket organization because this team is built to certainly built to win now. They are, and health wise, with Chris Paul, you just don't know. And the fact that he's been healthy once he got through that injury in the early part of the season and has played, you know, he and Harden have played so well. You, you know this, Bobby. Like you, 
you may not get a lot of shots at this. You may not get Harden's been healthy his whole career. He's remarkable in that way. But it's also a year too where I mean, you kind of I always felt with Golden State they didn't have to be at their best to beat anybody. They could still beat everybody else not at their best or with an injury like a Curry out. Somebody had to put themselves in position that if the Warriors aren't at their best, someone could knock them off. And to me, there's still only one team who can do that, and that's Houston. Uh, I don't think I still don't think there's another team in the West. You know, I think the Warriors' best is still better than everybody else's. But Houston, if they're going to meet in the conference final, Steph better be healthy. He better be playing at a very high level because I don't think they beat Houston without all of their guys playing really well. They're going to have to earn it against them. Yep, they'll have two disadvantages if if Curry is not, uh, and he will be if uh, you know come to probably middle second round uh, home court advantage for Houston. And if Curry is not there, uh, that is certainly a uh, that big. I don't think Golden State can could recover from that. I, they can, in a, in a first round, just because I'm I'm a little bit concerned, and I know the in the playoffs you you shorten your bench a little bit. I'm just concerned a little bit about that bench in uh, in, in Golden State. Uh, but when you do have three or four all stars, that camouflages a lot of, of a lot of flaws. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is sponsored by Hims. Did you know that sixty six percent of men lose their hair by the age of thirty five? And the thing is, by the time you really start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. Do you have any bald spots? Is your hairline moving further? And further back, I can answer yes to all these questions. What happens in a year from now if you keep losing your hair? Well, we have solutions for you for hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. Prescription solutions backed by science. No waiting room. No awkward doctor visits. Save hours by going to forhims.com. It is so easy. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions and a doctor will review and prescribe you. And to make it all even easier on you, all of the products are shipped directly to your door. So order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims. For just $5 while supplies last, see the website for full details of the offer. This would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to 4 slash Woj. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Woj, W-O-J. 4 slash Woj, W-O-J. Bobby, let's look at the coaching carousel has started in just the days since the end of the regular season. Jeff Hornacek, Frank Vogel, Steve Clifford are out. We have three teams with interim coaches, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Memphis. Uh, Milwaukee's search will sort of stay on hold until they're out of the playoffs, at least in terms of them interviewing candidates. Phoenix is, has started that process. We, re- we reported on Friday night that they've got permission to talk to Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta. And I think they're going to start meeting with other people, too, here. And Memphis is still deciding whether they really want to open up their search, whether they would just prefer to stay with J.B. Bickerstaff. And then you still have Detroit. Tom Gores and Stan Van Gundy are going to meet 
soon and talk about his future and see what that's going to look like in Detroit, which could mean, you know, there's really three, there's three options with Stan in Detroit. There's, he stays as president and coach and still controls the front office. He becomes only the coach or he's gone altogether. I think the least likely is he comes out as president and coach. I don't know if he's going to get out of this with the front office control or if that front office will all look the same. And it remains to be seen whether Stan would be open to that if he would prefer just to leave altogether. But but he and Gores, people should not underestimate how close the relationship is. And I, I do think Stan could make a case to Gores that give me a chance with a healthy Reggie Jackson and a healthy Blake Griffin. You know, they, they played pretty well with Reggie this year. I think at least 10 games over 500. And give me a shot with this group that I put together here. And, and let's see what it looks like next year. Um, and the thing that I would be worried about in Detroit is this is a, there are a lot of coaching openings. And I don't know the coaches that you're talking about getting rid of, like Steve Clifford, who was let go and Stan Van Gundy. I, I can almost, I'm very confident that probably Detroit and Charlotte, they're probably not going to hire better coaches than the ones who would go here. And so I think that's a tricky thing in this process is, are there enough good coaches to go around right now to move your guy out? Well, and especially in, in Charlotte and Detroit, those are two teams. They're different. They're so much different than Phoenix, Miami, Memphis, where the, the, you know those, those teams are rebuilding. Um, they've got some flexibility. They've got younger players. Where with uh, Detroit and Charlotte, those are almost ready-made situations. What you walk into is what you inherit, at least for this year. Uh, and that's a, that is a challenge as far as turning over uh, a coach. We'll see what happens in Charlotte, um, but but in uh, but in Detroit. And I am always skeptical of a coach who has dual uh, role as far as uh, president and uh, uh, head coach, because I, I know the challenges during the season of one year trying to do both, and it's it, it's not easy. You're almost in a win-now um, mentality. I, I think the – and you're right. I think there is a case for Stan to say we made the Blake trade in February. We, we played uh, a month without Reggie Jackson when he came back. Um, there were some good things there. Give me a year, and if it doesn't work out, by the deadline, then you can let me go, and we move on from there. Um, I don't know if it, if we're going to cut, you know, if cutting the cord is 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 going to be the right move. Is there something they can do in the front office if there is a restructuring and they do eliminate some of his power? Then I I, I certainly think that's a possibility. But but that Detroit team is, is that you know I'm just writing on, writing them right now is that this is what they are. This is, they've got three players that are locked into big contracts and they don't have a draft pick. And, um, unless things change, you might be looking at them just, you know, trying to get into the playoffs. The New York search, uh, will be interesting. I mean, they've, you know, we reported they're going to talk to David Fisdale, Jerry Stackhouse, David Blatt, uh, Mark Jackson at the least. And, and their list, I think, will go a little bit longer than that. You know, I keep hearing in New York people talking about they want a coach who, you know, like fans can get behind and that they know and they have a connection with. And, you know, like to me, none of that matters. <laughs> they need somebody to come in and put a program in place. Like the celebrity coach, like we've been through this with the Knicks, like Nick fans, I mean, any fans of any city, like the novelty of who the guy is and what his connection was to the organization 
it doesn't mean anything when you're, you know, 11 and 26 again, you know, when it's snowing out. And, and so to me, they've got to find a program builder. There is that roster is not very good. They've got a lot of work to do on it. They need a worker and they need a guy to dig in there with Scott Perry and start to build an infrastructure, a program, an identity. This team hasn't had an identity in so long and they need a coach who can bring a tangible identity on the floor and get guys better and who's going to put the hours in. And, you know, the one phrase I heard in the press conference with them was attention to detail. They didn't, and I was a little surprised at how usually guys just say thanks to the guy they fired and not, (laughs) I was a little surprised they did run through everything they didn't love about Jeff. But, but if you were going to make the case that he didn't, you didn't like his attention to detail, you didn't like, you know, the development of then you better have a guy who has a reputation and puts the time in to do that. And I'll be interested to see what they determine there is who fits that. Well, you're right. And going back to your earlier point is, you know, we hired Jason Kidd in 2013 and we had a, you know, we had a star studded press conference and three months later we had fans booing him. <laughs> so that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It may mean something in, uh, when you hire the, the coach, but when you, if you get off to a bad start, the luster of who, the named coach, uh, it doesn't mean anything, but you're walking into a situation in New York where, uh, let's face it, you're, it's a rebuild. So you've got to embrace rebuilding and you're going to wind up rebuilding this year. Without Kristaps Porzingis, probably until after Christmas, I would think, based on his on his injury, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with Joachim Noah. You might not have an, a center based on what happens with uh, Ennis Canner and Kyle Quinn. You do have a top ten pick, so you are in a uh, heavy dose of uh, of player development. If you think you're going to be able to get that team back to the playoffs, which should not be the ultimate goal next year, then that's the ro- the wrong job for you. But this is, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, Phoenix, New York, Orlando. It's like we've done this. It's like every two years we're doing the same thing here. Yeah. And it's really does. These aren't, um, these aren't coach problems. No. And, and it they're, really, they're, organiza- what, they're organizational problems. It is. And what, and what happens is, is that it really sets you back a couple of years. You know, well, looking back in, in Brooklyn, you know, I know we, we talk in Noah's even about the, the Boston trade and, and everything, but probably one of the biggest mistakes, and I like Lionel Hollins, is that we line, we, we hired Lionel Hollins after Jason left, um, because he was a veteran coach and we thought, we thought we had a veteran team. And it wasn't the right fit. And then you're, and then a year and a half later, you're looking for another coach and they got fortunate with Kenny Atkinson, but it just starts, it starts to cycle all over again. It's like a, it's like a parent leaving the house and doesn't return for a couple of years. You just, there's just no, there's no, like, um, there's no trust level. I mean, Christoph Porzingis is going on. He had Derek Fisher, he had Jeff Hornacek, and now he's going to have a third coach, and he hasn't even and, finished and, his rookie contract yeah, well, yet. And Kurt Rambis in there. And Kurt Rambis, yeah. yeah. And Phil from coaching from upstairs with him. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is sponsored by Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you. Whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. Whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get through tons of books, hands and eyes free, while doing almost anything. 
Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in our store, regardless of price. And unused credits roll over to the next month. Didn't like your audiobook? You can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. Audible is offering my listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash woge and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash woge or text woge, W-O-J, to 500-500 to get started today. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Go to audible.com slash woj, W-O-J, or text woj, W-O-J, to 500-500 to get started today. Some of these searches may go slowly to see who might become available after the first round of the playoffs, or maybe even the second round of the playoffs, because I think there are some situations out there where a team could lose lose in the first round, maybe even lose in the second round, where changes are made and you'll have some pretty successful coaches all of a sudden out on the market. I think there's going to be a little bit of a, there could be a little bit of a second wave of candidates. And, and if I'm Orlando, I'm not in a rush to hire a coach here. I might wait and see who still may yet uh, break loose. You're right. I mean, you do have a little bit of advantage based on teams that are still playing because um, you can start the you know, they've started the process as long as long with um, New York Phoenix started it probably mid season. You reported that, uh, but I am certainly taking my time considering that we've they've already gone through this. Uh, Orlando is different. I want to give those guys the benefit of doubt because it is it's it's new. They weren't there with uh, Scott Skiles and Jacques Vaughn, um, so this is really their first go, uh, go at it. Um, so I, I, there is a, um, you know, there and they have a, a credible front office. Yeah, but Orlando. That, that's right. Yep. And that's that's they're different than other play. I mean, they, they are, and, and like Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, they're going to run a really, really thorough, good search there. I'm, I bet you they hire a really good coach there, or somebody who fits what they need right now, and they can be patient and wait. Uh, and Orlando, to me, is it's a better job than several of the others because that's an ownership group that will spend. They will spend on payroll. They will hire. I mean, they spend a lot of money on that front office. Got they got two general. Essentially, they have two general managers on you know GM and a president, Jeff Waltman and John Hammond. Like if you need, you know when you need to go out and hire assistant coaches, they're going to spend the money. And Orlando has shown historically that. If they have cap space and they've got a a program to sell, free agents will come there. No state tax in Florida. Players like living in that central Florida area. And it's an unbelievable fan base. Like somebody in Orlando said to me this year, like, I don't remember the date, but, you know, there was like a random Tuesday night late in the year where it was the Kings were in town. And um, our building was full, like two pretty bad teams. And that market supports the team. They had a lot of revenue. So that's a pretty good job. It's a better job than Phoenix. It's a better job than Memphis. It's uh, a better job than Atlanta, if that opens up because of uh, Budenholzer's conversations with the Suns. And, and I think there could be other teams who ask for permission on Mike Budd. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the Magic are, are, are fairly well positioned here to, to, to come out of this with, with a decent coach. Yeah, and I think if you look at Orlando, I think you got to look forward, not back. 
Um, you can easily go back at all the missed opportunities in the draft and the foundation is really not quite there where they probably could be, but you go in and, and the slate is, is basically clean and, and you figure out what you want to do with, with Aaron Gordon. And that's a team that's going to have probably not this year. They'll have a little flexibility, but going, uh, in, in the future. And you know, you'll have a long leash. <laughs> you know, they're not going to want to go through, through this again in two years if, if, uh, things, uh, don't work out. But yeah, I, that's, uh, having gone through, oh God, so many coaching <laughs> searches and hired so many coaches. We've gone with the, we've done it, the, you know, really quick, which does not work out. And sometimes when you, um, let the process kind of just play out, um, is this the best way to go? Today's episode of the Woj Pod is also sponsored by Mattress Firm. Everyone knows how important stretching is before an event. So does Mattress Firm, except it's with your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping in America's neighborhood mattress store. It is a true home run. They're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise. But know this, they are more than mattress experts. They have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback. Go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening. They even offer you a 120 night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120 night low price guarantee. So you know, you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one, two punch. So score big with a perfect bed, head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. The end of the season, the tanking that went on in the league, Bobby, and Adam Silver was asked about it at the Board of Governors meeting on Friday, and I know it's the greatest, I think the league office spends as much time on any issue in the league you know, the revenue sharing is always a big part of it because that's what the owners care about. But the tanking issue, I I sensed at the end of this season more anger among fans, more of a visceral reaction to what they had to watch, whether you were in Chicago. And I saw a graphic the other day on one of our shows at ESPN. And I, I The sound wasn't on, but I saw the graphic. And the question was, is tanking bad for the NBA or a good strategy? Well, it's both, right? <laughs> it's both. <laughs> it is. And um, Chicago, uh, you know, they did their post uh, postseason press conference, uh, John Paxson. And you know, John basically, you know, he didn't come out and admit they t- they tanked, but basically said that we're, we're not going to go through another year like we just did where we were jockeying for rebuilding. And that, that basically says that we put out players for uh, a developmental purpose. Um, remember Robin Lopez and uh, Justin Holiday, vet- uh, guys like that did not play much at all down the stretch. Uh, I don't know how the league does it unless we really rat- um, take a hard look at the lottery. And I know they've made changes that will impact it next year. Um, but it is a, I mean, you look at some of the lineups that we saw at the end of the year here, um, the last two weeks. I don't know if you, how, if you're a fan, you're paying money to go see that. Um, we fixed the, um, the issue with, uh, NBA, with, uh, playoff teams resting their main guys mm-hmm. by the, um, with the schedule and spreading out games. So that has certainly been fixed, but we're going to see this, uh, we're going to see this probably continued because I don't see any of the teams, um, Chicago, Atlanta, I mean, they're not going to be big spenders this summer and you're probably going to, you're going to run into the same situation possibly, uh, next year. 
and like Philly has shown them, hey, it works. It works. And although the Philly tanking still, that was over such a long period. I don't know if there's another organization or a city that has the stomach to do it the way they did it. That that took people do. I don't say they forget, but like that wasn't a one or two year thing. That was like a it's a four year thing. And so I do think that you know it's the way this league is structured. That's the way to get great players. Most teams like we can't get them in free agency. And we're trying to avoid staying, getting stuck in the middle. And, you know, but from a fan perspective and, as you said, people buying tickets and having to pay for that, I mean, it was embarrassing, beyond embarrassing for the league. Like you said, some of the lineups and and groupings of players, I mean, these were G League games. And teams, I mean, there were teams literally signing G League players, bringing up guys that they knew could not play in the NBA, really intentionally bringing up guys they knew could not play because they were determined to lose games. I mean, I never heard more talk from front office executives, frustration with coaches who were winning games that they didn't want them to win, and owners. I know of an instance of an owner berating, really berating his coach here in the last several weeks of the season for going in and beating a pretty good team on the road, going, what are you doing? And that should not, I mean, let's think about that. I mean, that should not be going on. You're right. And I don't think there ever will be another Philly model. <laughs> I really don't. Because, and I, you know, having, you know, lived in Northern Jersey and going to a lot of those games and sitting there, you know, a lot of it was about, um, you know, you had the Embiid injury, so he was out. Uh, they missed out on a lot of first round picks. I mean, we look back on it and although they turned it, the, the Carter Williams into, um, uh, into that, I guess that Laker pick. Yeah. Um, but when you look at Nerlens Noel and Okafor, but a lot of that, um, I guess trust the process was Sam, um, Hinky going out and signing like, you know, like basically like G League players to these four year contracts, right? And would have them on the books. And it turned out to be TJ McConnell and Rick, uh, Rick Holm, you know, guys like Robert, that. Robert Covington. Yeah. And, his and, great find, no question. And what it was, it was like a trial and error period for like three years. It would basically just be a rotating door and you'd be like, all right, you know, we're going to bring, bring in 10 guys. Let's see if we can hit on three guys. Great. And they wind up hitting on, on those, um, those three players. Um, and it, and a lot of it was too, was a, it was a dumping ground for salary. I mean, we dumped Karolinko there. We dumped Marquise Teague there. And they said, you know what? We'll take salary back, but, you know, it's going to cost you a second round pick. And that's really what it was for, th- for three years. Um, and they just build up their assets from there. And, you know, they got fortunate that Embiid got back. I mean, if Joel Embiid doesn't get back, I mean, I don't know if this team is a, uh, is a playoff team right now. Bobby, the, the one postseason award that is voted on by peers, the right, you know, the media votes for the player awards, coach of the year. But the one that has remained that the guys who do the job with you vote is executive of the year. Is that a clear cut one this year? Is that Daryl Morey in Houston? And you really can't make a case for anybody else as, as that guy. To me, it seems like a pretty easy one. It does. I mean, just based on to, to get Chris Paul and to add um, the players in free agency, um, to transform that team around Harden, um, where we thought maybe that was at best a second round team before, uh, Chris Paul. Um, I think Daryl will win that award. Um, but there are a lot of, I mean, there have been a lot of great, as long as, as well as coaches. I mean, the job that Dennis Lindsay did in, um, Utah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, talk about that, where, 
You drafted Donovan Mitchell. Um, you made the Ricky Rubio trade because you didn't want to pay George Hill. Um, and you go out and you sign, um, you know, free agents that kind of are placeholders. And you and you put a roster there. I mean, that's almost like a shared award between him and Quinn Snyder. Yeah. I mean, so, I think if you I think if you combine those two together, <laughs> there should be a, another award that's like a combined GM coach because I know some people always want to say it's one or the other, and it's usually both. It's usually both working in tandem, combination of personnel and you know Toronto with what Masai and Case did by changing their style of play. And I think Masai is going to get a lot of votes. Um, I talked to a GM yesterday who sent his ballot in and. He had Masai in his top three and, you know, style of play and rebuilding that bench. You know, Masai has not had a lot of cap space the last few years and yet has really found a way to get veteran players in there to um, make deals um, that improved that overall roster. They've drafted well and there's a lot of managing of relationships and with Dwayne Casey and Kyle Lowry, and he he deserves it. And and I always think too, executive of the year. I always I know people just always want to look at. I, I always judge it this way. There's certain years where yes, in the calendar year, a team was in position to make a bunch of moves and they worked out one big trade or whatever it was. But the job of GM is not usually a one year like you know it all just comes together in an eight or nine month span. Typically. It's a four or five year process of, and, and you get to a year where the players you developed, the players you drafted, the coach you hired, uh, the system you installed, um, the final couple pieces you brought in, it all culminates and a team, you know, has like this breakout 60 win year. And, you know, you know, Bobby, it's a singles and sacrifice bunt job. It's not always a home run job. And, and I know people view it. They they want to just say, what did the guy do this year as executive of the year? But I do think there's guys who you just see their plan all of a sudden comes into, it's crystallized, and it all comes together in a year. And sometimes to me, that guy's the executive of the year, not just the guy who pulled off the one big trade. It's different than the coach of the year. Executive of the year is a body of work versus a coach for a body who's a body of work for that year and uh you know with Masai, i mean we could probably just give it to him for the fred van vliet signing <laughs> you know the uh, the non-drafted player uh putting together the bench through the draft you can make an argument for kevin pritchard in indiana uh the the old depot trade um signing darren collison bogdanovich um you know miles turner a couple years ago um so there is a there is more of a. I mean, Rod Thorne won it in in uh, New Jersey in 0102, but and but we won 50 games and we made the kid trade and he, we drafted really well. That was more of a one year, um, one year award. But yeah, it is more about the the body of uh, work over three to four years compared to, you know, a coach like you know you know Quinn Snyder who is who's certainly a good coach, but looking at it, you know, we look at coach of the year just this year. I'll get you out of there with that, Bobby. Enjoy the games this weekend, and I will see you in Bristol next week. Sounds good. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, ESPN front office insider, Bobby Marks. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Pods or wherever else you get your shows. And a big thank you today to our sponsors, Audible, Hymns, and Mattress Firm. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.